What is up? Oh yes, computer acquired. Adam Lefko here with Crossing Broadcast. Hope you guys are well. Hope your weekend was awesome. Hope you had a great time uh, at Adam Lefko. We've got the two main men, Crossing Broads, Kyle Scott and Joy on Broad, Russell Joy. Uh, I miss you guys. I listened to the beginning. I appreciate uh, of Friday's podcast. I appreciate that you let everybody know. Uh, yeah, book bags suck, especially when everyone at a major company has the same book bag. Not fun. Uh, how was the show, guys? Did you enjoy it on Friday? The show was good. We missed you. Did you uh, Did you have to meet a guy in a parking garage to get it back? It was more of, hey, why don't you come to my apartment and I'll give you nothing. And it worked out. Yeah, it was... It was that annoying thing where someone takes your backpack or your bag or whatever, and then they're like, hey, can we meet somewhere? And you're like, no, dude, you took my shit. Please come to my place. Thank you. So uh, it worked out. Problem is the computer's life. Yes. Yes. At least you didn't like. Russ, did you just give a, a, I'll just a Game mention, of Thrones I, spoiler? I, I did, which now, shouldn't, I gotta, which shouldn't go mean anything. That out. Thank you. I, Not I to said, me, I said but spoiler to the alert. I said multiple spoiler. thousands of people who listen to the podcast might... Uh, might not want to hear that. You can't say spoiler alert after you spoil something that is not. No, I how said it right works. before. Spoiler so alert. Let me wait. A conversation I just want to... and going. Hey, this not to be racist, but and then you're going to say something. Right? It's like nobody. Uh, Let me just explain to people why why you just heard about a seven second complete dip in the audio because Russ was giving away uh, last night's Game of Thrones. Continue. Oh no, it's it's fine. Um, I'm actually not so sure there's going to be a dip. I'm not so sure that you're going to actually go back and edit it. I am. I care that much about our listeners. Well, that's but I nice think what you. you were trying to point out was that I mentioned to you that I was back in on the show. Yeah, but see, it's not back in. It. So I. I this isn't a long, long rant. I got so much negative feedback after we talked about Game of Thrones. I decided yesterday morning I was up early. My mother-in-law was here watching the kid. So I decided I'm going to start it again. Unlike the last three times, I didn't start with episode one because I've watched the first, turns out I've watched the first four episodes three times. And the last time was probably two years ago and I can never stick with it. So yesterday I just went back. I was like, fuck it. I will figure out what's going on. I'll just start with episode five. I should be able to remember. I did. And I watched five and six and I think a little bit of seven. And I, I actually liked it. I might give it a little bit of a shot. Might give it a little bit of a shot. We are not worthy. We are not worthy. Yeah, right. Stop shitting yeah. on me. I'm not broke over. I'm trying to rectify my. I understand that people like it, so I'm giving it a fair shake. Except that you know you've you've missed essentially five and a half seasons now. That, yeah, that's, I actually and there I are like ton, coming and there, into a show like that because yeah, well, you're the, now there in, there are plenty of characters now who like whenever somebody has a, a tragic a death or something. Here no, I'm just saying. Like, now, like, this upcoming week's episode, for people who don't know, is going to be 10 minutes shorter than every other episode that's happened this season. And then we get into, like, the 65-minute and then 71-minute. And then the finale, I think, is supposed to be, like, 85 minutes long. So something tragic has to happen this week. And you won't understand it. Because it'll probably it be a character that you did not see in the first four episodes. Yeah, that's okay. Went. I like you know how but it is a show, you know so you can binge Kyle. it. 
What I feel about Kyle with this show is if we were like a pack of wolves, usually there's the really strong wolves at the front and there's really strong wolves at the back and they keep the, the injured wolves in the middle to protect them. I'm that back wolf that's noticing that Kyle's starting to drift away and I'm not telling anybody. If Kyle figures out a way to catch up and watch, great. But I am not going to sit here and spoon feed him anything. I feel confident in this decision. I actually like coming into a show that's well established like that because if I like it, I want to watch, I want to binge it. So I rather than be like coming into a show that's a season in, like Westworld, I watched an episode, haven't watched that. I would rather come into a show that has seven seasons for me to watch as I please rather than one season. And then I'm like, oh crap, now I binged a season and I got to wait so 10 months for new stuff. Part of my job here is keeping this show on track, uh, which it I'm going to try and do right now. Uh, we have a lot of stuff Phillies related. We have some good stuff Eagles related, some Sixer stuff, and some random things. Um, Kyle, I noticed uh, you, we were talking about this before we start hitting record. Crossing Broad has been a little bit quieter lately. I've been noticing in the comment section too. Uh, you're working on some big shit, which I know uh, excited a bunch of people to figure out what it is because you're trying to do some interesting stuff. You don't have to tell us a lot, but like, what is going on right now for people that are consuming Crossing Broad content? That's interesting. I haven't even. I've purposefully not looked at the comments in about two weeks, just because. They were I just, just saw me one off. that said, "What is going on? Why are you not posting more?" The last two were the podcast and like. Uh, DraftKings. What are you doing? Yeah. Was a question. I'm gonna also let's give a shout out to some guy called Platterpus on a uh, Twitter who takes every possible opportunity to throw barbs at you about the website. So I think uh, it is fitting that you are given. Let's also give a shout out to Russ who has literally liked 97 percent of my tweets in the last two weeks, and <laughs> it's uh, it's incredible. I mean, Russ is so active on Twitter right now. He's getting some engagement, and he's really excited, and it makes me happy. It's like the first time I saw Twitter. It's incredible. In addition, to that he reads more of my responses than I do. Oh, such it's... a response reader, and I love him for that. I'm pretty I, sure. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure Platterpus, uh, like 65% of his tweets are just trolling me. So, uh, yeah, that guy's awful. Um, but is he anyway, a listener of the pod? And has he left a five star review? Speaking of Twitter, Patrick Stewart just said, "Can Russ do his droopy dog voice in the podcast?" So, Russ, give him ten seconds. Stop. I'll, well, I'll, I'll let it. Literally, is a tweet. I'm gonna. Well, I'll let that when we happen. Nerlens. Yeah, when we talk Nerlens, it'll. Okay. It'll All right. Happen. So, Kyle, what's up with the site? All right, so what's up? So yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not like giving up on the site or whatever. I've purposely not read the comments because it would piss me off because I have been working on other things. I haven't just been sitting around. Uh, so two things really. Um, first of all, it's slow. So if there's ever a time to work on something else, it tends to be either holiday weekends in the spring, which is when I always sort of do like any tech stuff or if we do a new theme like a, a refresh of the site. I usually do it like Easter weekend because the traffic's down. Also, the middle of the summer, particularly this summer, uh, is a good time if you got other stuff to work on. So I haven't been on vacation. I've actually been working on other things, probably working more than I have in the past two weeks than probably at any point this year. So the site's not going away. I will. Can, it should be back to almost full this week, and certainly uh, as we approach football season, it will get back to completely normal. One of the two things involves crossing broad. And it involves, uh, I've been pretty like open about trying to get like some sort of 
um, additional money to to bring on like additional people. So it is not reliant on just me writing content. The biggest the biggest problem I've been doing this for seven years and writing content all day every day is Im nearly impossible, stressful, whatever, and it's not sustainable because you have to work on something else. The site does what it did last week. So uh, that is part of it. Uh, the other part of it is unrelated to Crossing Broad, but still in the uh, like media, sports media field. And I think we have a uh, really kick-ass idea for something we're working on that people will really like, that will be sustainable, that will make money, that will make um, good uh, good people money and provide good opportunities. So it's like a real thing that we're really trying, and I don't know how long it'll take. My thought would be not that long, but... Uh, that's what I've been working on. And it's pretty vague. And as I said last time, we're just uh, reinventing journalism. That's about as uh, pompous as I could say it. Keep it vague. Always good to keep your ideas vague. In the world, yes. in the word of uh, Biggie and the Ten Crack Commandments, hustlers move in silence and violence. So, Kyle, don't change that. Um, yep. Meanwhile, moving in silence, the freaking Phillies have now won. We're starting with the Phillies, which is a first in Crossing Broad. Uh, cast history. Four straight wins for the Phils. Eight of their last 11. Uh, this weekend was back-to-back walk-offs over the Braves, who wore their just embarrassing AAA-looking practice uniforms. I, I don't know what it is. Like Every time I see the Braves, it just pisses me off. They're just, they're, their jerseys are... Ever since uh, Cox left, they're a bunch of turds. Um, Freddie Galvis, walk-off single. Uh three plays yesterday that that apparently everyone now there's going to be a Freddie Galvis gold glove campaign which I doubt really gets off the ground but I'd love to see uh, Velasquez seven innings of scoreless pitching uh, we had three trades uh, I don't know how much you guys got into on Friday uh, Hellickson traded to the Orioles for a kid named Clevenger Hyungsoo Kim and international money uh, Howie Kendrick traded to the Nationals for a left-handed pitcher, which they don't really have in the farm system at all. Uh, this kid, Mackenzie Mills, his claim to fame is 118 strikeouts in 104 innings in high A. But, uh, yeah, you guessed it. He's unreliable thus far. And Nishak, which is probably the best entity they had, was traded to the Rockies for... Uh, Alejandro Raquena, I know you guys like J.D. Hammer, the kid with the glasses, the pitcher. And then the shortstop, Jose Gomez, a 20-year-old betting 324 in the South Atlantic League. He was a top 21 player for the Rockies. So nothing like crazy, but the Phillies are winning. They they make all of the trades. Um, Russ, let me start off with you because I know you brought this up in the Slack. What of any of that excites you? Uh, and, and like, I mean, it's, they're still winning. Like, is there excitement there for you? There's no excitement, uh, no excitement in, in them winning games. Um, I think maybe the, the most interesting thing that they got, um, I think it was part of the Helixon deal was they got a million dollars towards their international, their, um, their international, uh, player budget. And I guess every team in MLB gets, I think it's $4.5 million. I'll, I'll fact check myself in a minute. I think they get four, $4.5 million uh, to, to spend on the international market. And then this, this essentially gets them up to $5.5 million. Now, Klentak did come out and say that at this point, a lot of the top international guys have been bought up. 
and there is a, a deadline. I think it's next August or something like that, um, that they have to use all that money by. I don't think it gets to roll over, but it does allow them to to splurge some money that they previously wouldn't have been able to use um, to go out and acquire a you know, few young young kids and, and see if you can start to build up your farm system where uh, where you have some definite deficiencies. So the the prospects they got back in some of these deals might not make an impact. I think that international money might end up, you know, being the, the biggest part of this whole thing. It's a shame that if that was going to be part of a trade that they didn't do it earlier in the season when they could have actually, you know, splurged it on on a big uh, big international signing. But yeah, so know. the correct information is that small market teams get the 4.5, bigger market teams get like the 3.5. So this puts Philadelphia into the smaller market pool, but what they do with it is a thing. I don't know, Kyle, I'm excited by the Phillies winning eight of their last 11. Um, I know that it's very similar to the beginning of the year where they started off strong, and this is in essence the second half of the year coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, which shows that, you know, when they are refocused and they are relatively healthy because they do have some guys back that they can play. Uh, and it also shows that I just I just really want the Phillies to be good and it's taxing on my emotions. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm not so sure. I think you may be thinking of last year that they started off strong, if I recall. The, the, they were, they, they were just, remember abysmal. they started off pretty good this season, and we were like, is this going to happen again? And it did, where they just collapsed. But the first two weeks, you know, they were battling, and they had some, they had some good uh, results, I believe. I'll double-check. Yeah, um, yeah. Either way, I'm not. I'm not. Nothing excites me about the Phillies right now. I went to the game Saturday. I went last Saturday. We actually left after the eighth inning on Saturday, which is something. My I was with my wife and parents, and my dad and I never used to leave Phillies games early. Like never. We left once, and the two things I always wanted to see in fifth grade was a was a uh, inside the park home run and a bench clearing brawl. And we left early when I was in fifth grade once. And both of those things happened after we left. So since then, we've almost never left the game early. But this team, like, just, <laughs> it's more like, hey, traffic. It takes an hour to get home. We're leaving early. So we left after the ace. We, we missed the comeback. Uh, we missed the 11 innings. And I'm sure the people who were there for the weird country guys concert after the game were quite upset because they probably had to stick around until about 1245 until it was over, not to mention the staff on hand. So the Phillies winning doesn't excite me, unfortunately. They are so, they are bad. Like you're watching those at bats and they now put strikeout rate on the scoreboard at Phillies games. And almost every single guy in the Phillies lineup, with the exception of like Macal Franco, uh, has a 25% strikeout rate, which is just ludicrous. Like, it is bad to have one or two of those guys in your lineup. And the Phillies, no joke, start six guys with a 24 25% strikeout rate. And watching some of their approaches at bat, watching them hack at pitches in the dirt, watching them swing a half hour late on fastballs, I know they've had a little bit of a good stretch here, but their at-bats, quite frankly, suck. I give them credit for battling a little bit over the weekend and, and pulling off some comebacks over the last couple of weeks. But, God, they, their bats are miserable. Uh, as far as the trade deadline goes, I have never seen a less a less um, like fan, less fan interest in a more active trade deadline. Like, so much happened, and typically when there's any move, just given the nature of what I do, like I'll just, a bunch of ads, like, yo, 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 so-and-so got traded, this happened, this happened. Like, just pointing stuff out, people talking about it. I don't think I saw a thing. Thing about the Helixson trade, 
on my like on my direct timeline. No one was yeah, talking the only about anything. Thing I'm seeing, just, the only thing yeah. I'm seeing now is that Helixson was in a car accident, and that's going to hold up the trade. Like that's the the only news. And to your point, oh by the way, I looked back. So they did win. If you're, <laughs> it seems so long ago. The Phillies won six in a row at the end of April uh, against the Mets, Atlanta, and Miami. At least they're sweeping Atlanta like all the freaking time. And my other issue is like, so Freddie Galvis is is balling out. We had Russ talking about J.P. Crawford, another shortstop, and, like, he's balling out. And then the best thing that you got in all these trades was another young shortstop and international money. So it's like we have three shortstops in the organization that we that we actually like, and we have, like, a lot of holes everywhere else. That doesn't get me excited. But I agree with you, Kyle. Like, I didn't see – like, we traded all of the major pieces, and no one's really talking about it. Yeah, and I don't have as much of a problem with getting multiple shortstops. Like, we, we defended Hinky when he drafted centers because he was just trying to increase odds. So I don't really have a problem with that. Like, take collect the best assets you can. None of these prospects are really top-flight guys, and nor should they have been given the fact that the Phillies were just trading away rentals. I thought it was really interesting listening to Howie Kendrick after the game on whatever it was, Thursday or Friday, where he was laughing. He's like, yeah, Klintak basically told me I'm getting traded in midseason and I'm happy to go play for Dusty Baker. So he was all, I've never seen someone smile so much after they got traded and he got a big pinch hint the next night. So none of these guys were going to bring back a big haul. So, you know, you can't even really talk about the prospects. They're all middling guys, but you cast a wide enough net in baseball and baseball's random enough that one of those guys, one or two of those guys, maybe winds up in the in the majors, and maybe one of them turns out to be an impact player. So I don't care about position at this point. I don't think there's anyone who is untradeable or set in stone on the Phillies, other than maybe Nola, who has looked fantastic of late. The only We're, other guys that maybe they could trade are like a Hector Neris or Joaquin Benoit. I mean, and and the trade deadline is today, so. Yeah. I mean, like, may, maybe they trade two more relievers and, and try to yeah. get something Kyle, back. Kyle, you know but... what's, what's more interesting to me than, like, the actual trading and stuff is what you said about interest. And because you're the only one of us that has a website, I, is there any way to compare, like, traffic trade deadline to, like, years past? And, or is it even worth it? Uh, just so New York is just happening. Dude, on so literally, Kyle, when you were talking last time, it was so freaking loud with a fire truck going by. So I had my cousin up here, my cousin Samantha up here. She was just visiting for the day. She just moved back from Texas to Philly, and we kind of got like a cousin day of hanging out. And this happens every time I have non-New Yorkers at my apartment. Like a fire truck goes by, and they're like, "How do you live like this?" And usually, I don't even notice it. This is ridiculous. No, don't mute it. Don't mute it. I think we need. Let's take ten seconds for the sounds of New York. Give a moment of silence. Like just, for yeah, yeah. All you. right, it's a moment of silence for all the athletes in Philadelphia. Their arms, their legs, their bodies. Oh, it's pulling away. Perfect. Perfect. Man, New York even gave the moment of silence. All right, so uh, let me ask a random question before Wait, we yeah, move I, I on didn't get to, to the finish Eagles. My, you asked me a question. Oh yeah, what was it? Oh, about the uh, about previous deadlines. Yeah, is it like insanely different? Uh oh yeah. I mean, like the I'd say the last two years, Phillies posts in general have been almost unreadable. Even the reports about their interest in Harper or Giancarlo Stanton, things that normally, even if they were like loosely sourced speculation, would still get a ton of traffic and interest. 
it just it, it's like nothing. It's like forcing some. It's like for, ca- pushing a couch up a up a flight of stairs. Like it just doesn't. Nothing gets the Phillies meter to budge. So I would say. I mean, it's been a few years for the Phillies, but it used to be uh, when I started the site. The end of July. Uh, with the Flyers and Phillies, when Paul Holmgren was here, July 1st, NHL free agency, it, traffic was nuts. There was excitement because you knew something crazy would happen. When Ruben was here, uh, whether he was buying when I uh, very early on in the website or selling a few years later, there was still so much craziness where there was interest because there were still big names moving in and out. And it was like you can count on doing a 24-hour live blog early in December when, when all the signings would happen during the Hot Stove League. Same deal. I'd do like a week-long live blog, and the traffic would be bananas. And right now, nothing. I didn't even write about these things, partly because I was working on something else, but partly because they wouldn't have moved the needle. It would have been like it would have been like 10% of our traffic of a normal post. It's almost not even – the interest is so shockingly low that I, like the Phillies – the, the Phillies would have to get into a brawl to really move the needle on a Phillies post right now. The Phillies' Let- interest is so low – that there were more people at the Eagles' first early training camp practice than the game yesterday for the Phillies. And that's why uh, I know that Russ likes to say everyone's going to talk about the, the Eagles. Uh, you do have to talk about the Eagles, though. I mean, 23,000, but uh, I have a random question for two married men. Uh, so NFL Network, Marshawn Lynch goes on this weekend. Uh, he starts talking, shooting the shit with former Penn Stater Michael Robinson. They're going back and forth. And he begins to not even subtly hit on Colleen Wolf, former Philadelphia TV anchor and also wife of John Gonzalez. Uh, and I was curious if not even on TV or a football, if a famous person, whether it's an athlete or an actor, hit on your wife, would you be excited would you be proud? Would you be jealous? Would you be angry? As I'd, someone who doesn't have a wife, I don't know how I would react. What would you guys do? Russell? No, go ahead, Kyle. I, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. Are you just going to follow my lead here? No. All right, fine. I'll, I'll say it. Um, pr- uh, proud wouldn't be the word I would use. Um, I wouldn't Russ is be, inviting I, them back home with them. No, I, I wouldn't be worried. Uh... I don't know. Like I, I sound a little worried, bro. No, I, I wouldn't be worried. I, I would just be like, I don't know. I, I think anytime, I don't think it matters if you're famous or not. I think if you're hitting on somebody's wife, He's definitely worried. No, it's just I think sound if, worried. if you're if you're low enough to go and hit on someone's spouse, I just he think, would, you're, what if he I think you're a creep. Okay, so I mean, you, so you're angry. So you would no, get angry. Yes, I, I'm just. Sure. So if, I, if you walked into a bar, Russ, in Philadelphia, and you and your wife were having a big night out, and you look over, and there is just like uh, Pat Burrell leaning on his elbow, talking to your wife at the bar, and she's giggling and stuff, and she sees you and goes, oh, Russ, hi, it's Pat. And Pat's like, oh, hey, what's going on, man? Didn't realize. And you go, and you know, every few times she goes, oh, and Pat said this, and oh, Pat said that. You're going to get upset. You're going to be angry, huh? I think that's it. I think you're describing a some. First of all, I think if you're in the Philadelphia area, 
there was a probably a seven-year window where if your significant other wasn't hit on by Pat Burrell at some point, you, there's there may have been something wrong with you or, or Jeff her, Carter or Mike Richards. Correct. So Russ so, is going to be upset. Kyle, how are you going to be? Why am I upset? I don't know if I'm going to be upset because you just this, this you actually just went, this actually be, sounds. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just thinking about how that just sounded. Because yeah, Russ, yeah, you literally like did this. Upset. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. It's not like um. I'm not gonna. I might be upset. <laughs> That's what you said. So you're upset. You're clearly triggered. I think it'll also depend on who it is. Like if it's Pat Burrell at this point, like I, I would actually feel bad for him. All right, so but Kyle, if it, how would, if how it would were you like feel? not Adam, if it were Claude Giroux or something, the situation you described, like them acting surprised that they caught you, like that to me is different because that is now you're describing a reciprocated, like sneaky thing. The the situation, um, good point. It, I'm envisioning when you're describing this as, you know, the two of you are out and you bump into someone who is a celebrity or known person and you're, you know, talking to them at the bar or whatever. And that person is just kind of blatantly in front of you hitting on your wife. I think that would be more of like sort of like a laugh and whatever, because I think you would both go home and be like, yep, yeah, he was totally hitting on you. And and you could probably, depending on the the higher the person goes, the more ludicrous it becomes. So if it's like you bump into Leon, Leonardo DiCaprio, like. I, I don't really think anyone could, you know, perhaps get mad at their their wife if they, you know, blushed once in a in a five minute bar conversation with Leo. And I think it kind of scales down depending on the attainability of aforementioned person. So if it's like a local news anchor, that's like a little too close to home and attainable. Uh, if it's an athlete or movie star, I think that is like, you know, you just kind of laugh it off. Like, yep, they were flirting with you. Yeah, but if you I, walk so into saying, someone having that a you, conversation, that's a little see, different. See, that makes it sound like you don't think that your wife could uh, could gain the attention of uh, somebody who's who's big and famous. Yeah, that, Kyle that, used uh, the word. That oh, she would be, that she, that she would be forgettable. Is, uh, yeah, like, I, I, Kyle, I don't think that was yeah, a good I'm answer. Yeah, I'm going to come out here. I'm going to come out here <laughs> and say that I, I love when people hit on my girlfriend because it means I want, I want people to want what I have. And I'm confident. And Kyle, I, I agree. You There's a whole a bunch of issues behind can... that statement. There are a whole oh, bunch yeah. of people right now who are saying she is not your property, Adam. Of course, well, not, no, she's not, not my your... property, but I'm not her property either. So uh, when I walk places and girls look at me, she goes, yeah, she checked you out. When I walk places and guys look at her, I go, yeah, that dude checked you out. I like that. I think it's cool. But They're looking at you because you have stain on your pants. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe hey, you're wearing you're... those new uh, Harache. What are they called? The Harache Warrior dude, things? Dude, I awful... love when Russ what are those shoes? tweets. So Russ sent me a picture because I have talked about not liking open-toed sh- shoes for men. A picture of the Nike Harachi sandals that look like gladiator shoes. And that is definitely for women. They uh, look like sneakers that somebody just it's forgot like a de- to put it's, on like a... No, Russ, what it is is it looks like someone was like, this is a grilled cheese sandwich deconstructed. It's just bread and cheese on a plate. Like, that's the sandal version. Like, they just took the shoe and, like, removed parts and went, it's a sandal. It, um, it looks like those old Reebok shiny sneakers that I don't have a name for 
that if you took all of the material out and you just left like the shiny plastic bits that go over the top, that's what that shoe looks like. All right, let's transition there. Speaking of Reebok, Allen Iverson didn't show up to an event in Dallas for the big three, except this time, instead of making excuses like at least he coached and hey, he was there but dehydrated. The big three released a statement saying there was absolutely no warning. We have no idea. We're looking into it, which really is like, okay, just can you call the local bars and see where he went? Uh, This is not a surprise. Uh, It is depressing. uh, Not going to lie, because I think that they definitely weren't only they were definitely only doing the big three. If they thought that Iverson looked, you know, ice cube in the eye and was like, I'm in this. Uh, But it's not surprising. It's just upsetting. I think it was more upsetting that he uh, didn't. I think Philly is the, is the one thing that was like, dude, this whole league was built around this guy like coming out and giving his little song and dance. And the dude didn't show up for practice when he was on an NBA. T- I, I, I don't get in the practice conversation. But he was a problem in the NBA, and we loved him for it because he was so good and real and whatever. But like, if anyone actually thought this league was going to work and become a thing with Iverson, then... Then I think I did I sound a minute. I really wanted it to. Ugh. I really sound did. the outrage alert when I say what I'm about to say. The people who hate me are going to hate me more. Uh, Ice Cube and the Big Three League learned what pretty much anybody who was honest with himself uh, learned in Philadelphia. You can't build anything around Allen Iverson and expect it to be successful and expect him to be reliable. I am excited for your mentions. I mean. <laughs> You know, you can get you can get all emotional about how he he put his body on the line, but ultimately, dude just wasn't a reliable guy. I mean, they did a terrible job building teams around him, but like Ice Cube should have known better. It, if if yeah, nothing else, Iverson Iverson on the floor was awesome. He was an awesome spectacle to watch. But you knew you were getting what forty something year old Allen Iverson, who couldn't even hang in you know Beshektis in uh, in Turkey. One of the, the things it, I th- the, the idea that all of a sudden he was now going to be able to like turn over the a new leaf for the fortieth time and somehow manage to to be a reliable face of your league was comical to start, and it I think it speaks to the bigger issue that I think Ice Cube should have waited for like a Paul Pierce or a Vince Carter or a Kevin Garnett to also go in. They needed no, more than one you're, face you're of the league. You're thinking too deep on this. You're, you're thinking yes, too deep are. on this. It's just Iverson is the guy that we all want to turn over the new leaf because we all love him so much. Here's the it's thing just... with Iverson. He never his he never he was famous for not working out, not wanting to lift weights, and the one year he actually came out and worked out in the offseason, he held a press conference to pat pat himself on the back for doing so. That didn't affect him during his career. I mean, maybe it did. Maybe he would have been that much better if he was a if he was a nut like Kobe or LeBron. But where where it affect it affected his longevity like look at Vince Carter 40 years old still playing these are guys were going head to head in 2001 and Iverson can't even muster up the energy to play 10 minutes in a 3 on 3 game for a bullshit league like that is where it's cost Iverson it cost him many years off the back end of his career and now it's even not that it really matters but it's costing him he doesn't even have ability he is 6 years or whatever it is removed from the league not even and he barely can get on the court and just play a, a BS pickup game. That's how out of shape and, and banged up and worn down his body is. Imagine if he worked out. See, he really could have 
played at a high level for another five years if he took care of himself. That is, to me, is the biggest tragedy in Iverson because he was so good at the top of his game. If he would have even attempted to prolong his career and take care of himself, he would have gone down as an all-time great, I think, regardless of what his personality was. It was solely a physical thing. Yeah. Um, so I have a bunch of notes that I've just been taking since um, for like covering the NFL. What I've learned is I just when I see headlines that interest me, I kind of write them down. And I've had a bunch for the Eagles. Do you guys mind if I go on like two minutes of just things that I've noticed with Eagles that I have questions about and you guys react to it? Sure. Um, yeah. All right. So one, I have an issue with the Eagles with the cutting slash trading of Allen Barber. Uh, this is one year after we gave away Dennis Kelly uh, for DGB, and it turned into nothing. Uh, I know that the Eagles are going to say that they got a seventh-round conditional pick for Allen Barber, but in essence, they cut him, and that was nothing. Uh, I look at the team, and I see not a bad too deep, but I don't know. I just, to me, keeping 10 offensive linemen is always important, and it seems like they might need him. Uh, I'm really not worried about the Seahawks signing Marcus Smith. I saw no burst out of him in all the years he was here, so I don't think that's going to blow up in our faces. Uh, I love the fact that the Eagles refused to trade Michael Kendricks, telling him he was too young and talented. When I look at the linebacking core, I feel the same way I do about the Allen Barber offensive line. I look at Nigel Bradham, and I look at uh, Jordan Hicks, and I look at Najee Good, and I go, we need a fourth linebacker. God forbid one of those guys get hurt. Um, I look at Aguilar, and the fact that he is becoming a fan favorite after this weekend, and how Jeff Mosher says he's the driver's seat for the slot receiver over Jordan Matthews. And I realize that I really want to root for Aguilar because he is more explosive than Matthews. And I'm sitting here feeling like like an Allen Iverson fan that we just talked about going, man, am I going to fall for this training camp Nay Brown crap again as an Eagles fan where I have a guy who I know I shouldn't be rooting for because he's so unreliable, but I'm going to root for him anyway. And I'm thinking, damn, I'm going to do that with Nelson Aguilar. Uh, the thing that I didn't get to talk about on Friday with the Wentz arm that Sims said, Sims was saying that any young quarterback that is on a throw count and that the fil- the Eagles are bringing in extra camp arms and that Wentz has been showing a tired arm is very concerning to him. Uh, I'm not as concerned, but I get what he's saying. Um, the crying Carson Wentz fans were my favorite thing the entire weekend the people that flew in from from North Dakota and were talking about Carson Wentz as though it was a religious experience was absolutely incredible and I also did notice the little jab that Jim Schwartz said at Benny Logan saying that Timmy Jernigan is going to win all the one-on-ones that Fletcher Cox creates and we weren't winning them last year Uh, and I kind of think that was a little shot at Benny Logan who I thought Benny was great but people are clearly excited about Timmy Jernigan. Uh, I think out of all those things, I'm most surprised by the Nelson Aguilar is becoming a fan favorite and is in the driver's seat for the slot receiver. I, I have a hard time believing it, even though I kind of want to. I and read that. Your Lefko talks about wow. the Eagles for wow. two minutes. I read that. Uh, the, I think it was Jeff McLean wrote the article about uh, Aguilar getting applause from the 23,000 fans in attendance and about like how they were trying to motivate him by by cheering 
Like, I don't know. I I feel like Philly fans are snarky enough to, to just throw shade at him and, and sarcastically clap uh, the same way that you sarcastically clap after a guy has missed eight free throws in a row and then finally makes one. I don't suspect maybe that that's maybe the it's case. Maybe it's just me. And I um I think McLean is observant enough and has been doing this long enough to pick up on that sort of thing. I just I'm I've never been a training camp guy. I try every year. I really do. But like ninety eighty to ninety percent of NFL training camp is bullshit. Like there's some legit things to look at. In some cases, some legit positional battles. And the wide receiver one is definitely hardly set in stone for the Eagles. But like these sorts of stories about. Oh, so and so looks good. It's like what you know. You say, Adam, big off season. Let's talk about what this guy's doing when there's no contact. And I see there's a video yesterday uh, of Carson Wentz throwing a bomb to Torrey Smith with no line, no pass rush, and no safety help, and just one on one on the outside, and people are clapping. It's like I, I don't know if I'm too jaded or whatever. I have real trouble getting up for stuff like this and seeing like oh Aguilar's good if yes at, at each of his now three seasons people been like hey Aguilar looks like he has some skills no one is doubting that he was a first fucking round pick the problem with Aguilar is that it's something happens to him in a game where there's the possibility of getting tackled and he has extreme difficulty staying with any ball and bringing it in he has the the football equivalent of the yips so like until you show it in even a preseason game i'm not all in on nelson aguilar other than to say yes he does have the tools he's quick he's athletic he should in theory he should be good but let's see how he does when he's going over the middle and there's a linebacker coming across on him how how long he really wants to stick with the pass so i just kind of hate i just kind of hate those stories like i'm glad he looks good but I don't know. I, it's it's in a tough fairness. time of the year. It really is because as what people don't realize the way these teams are covered is typically certain positions are given at certain times. That's why you have like a lot of times you'll have like a it's Lane Johnson story day and like every outlet covers it because they all get Lane and then the next day it's like Fletcher Cox is time to be a like another pro, an all pro because they all get Fletcher Cox so it's these waves of stories. Um, I the am Phillies, actually a point on that real quick. The Phillies used to were experts at this during 2010 and 2011 during the first week of spring training, especially that 2011 with all the pitchers each day, they would roll out a player because the fills are kind of famously, especially then stingy with access. And they would roll out a player in the cafeteria at bright house field. They'd sit at a podium. People would hurl questions at Roy Halliday. Then the next day call Hamels and so on. And it would every, Every Phillies beat writer would have the exact same story the following day, the exact same storyline, the exact same thread. And football is a little different. You know, guys can get one-on-ones in the locker room and stuff. There's a lot of players to go around. But to your point, like if you if this is something you do for a living and is at least you and I do, Adam, and, and just kind of sit around and really keep tra- keep tabs on this stuff, it becomes so hard to get up for any story or even put any sort of confidence in it because it's very carefully such and yeah, such player was problem. made available. Kyle, here's the problem though is so when I would cover uh, Louisville football and it was like they give us certain players, the, the problem is, is they have like two months, right? And if you're only covering is Carson Wentz going to take the jump, which is like the number one story, you know what I mean? Uh, it just becomes redundant. So you need these stories given to you kind of slowly so that it just gives your co- like readers content. Like that's the hardest part because 
Otherwise, people would just tell the same stories every day. Yeah, we would I'm have not had a whole breakdown of Lane Johnson's wig the other day. Oh yeah, I mean that's it's the it's the way the sports teams do it, and it's a formula that they do, and it's what they need. But and that's yeah, why I think sometimes annoying. we've argued, like we've talked about people doing stuff differently or whatever, and that's why. I feel like people can be rough on the media because if I've talked about this before, if you're stuck in that mindset where their job, I mean, and it's their job, so you're not knocking people, but their job is to show up every day and whenever the team gives you, you write, you write about that the next day. There are times specifically during training camp and these long summers or whatever, where they, some of these guys would be better served not going there, not worrying about whatever the interview of the day is and doing something different. That is what Shiel Kapadia at least used to do. Like sit back, try and find a story. You could get a story about the team without sitting there and getting the you know kind of canned availability for the day. Do something different. Break something down. Write an in-depth article about the citing advanced metrics or whatever about a certain positional breakdown. Like that... That is, I think, what people are beginning to appreciate more in media as they see, dev- like, there are play free voices advocate? here. You I'll can. play devil's advocate because now you finally have access to the players and people have been doing advanced dist- statistics stories since, like, March because when they're not covering the draft and who they're going to pick or they're covering rookie camps, you know, they've still been putting out stories every day for the last few months, and that's when you see the advanced statistics. That's when you see the metrics. And I'm also going to be honest – I am not a huge fan of advanced statistics. I'm okay with observational things. I like camp notes. I do find it interesting. I don't like reading too much into camp notes, but that's more on the reader than the journalist that's covering them. Like I'm look I'm looking at like Zach Berman. It's like Zach's probably covered this team like 800 ways since March. And then also by the way, Jeff McLean, like who's working with him has had to do the same thing too. So it's like there's a limit of stories you can do, but like, I'm going to ask Sims today, it's, I look at training camp the way that I look at summer league and basketball, that if somebody's really good, Donovan Mitchell, it confirms your bias, and that if someone is bad, it confirms your bias there. Like, like um, what's his name? Blake Bortles threw five interceptions, and people are like, we have a serious issue. But then Pat Mahomes leads like a two-minute drill, 80 yards, and people are like, it's only training camp. So I don't know which one it is because we're just using certain ones to confirm bias and the other ones we go, oh, it's only training camp. So it's a weird time of the year to know the best way to cover a team is the only thing I'm saying. I have to say, I know we talked about it before about how the the local writers will kind of do the, the play-by-play breakdown of every pass thrown, every every catch, every drop. I liked what uh, Elliot Shore Parks did. I think I saw it yesterday. He did his recap where it was every pass or play that was done with Carson Wentz in 11-on-11 and 7-on-7 drills. And I liked reading it like that better than I do seeing it come live across my my Twitter feed. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I I think that that gives you, I think, a a better idea than constantly refreshing. Are they allowed to record this on their phones or no? They've been... Some people have been live streaming stuff, so I don't know if there's a certain... I, I, yeah, I these people need show, to realize I think, if I was a jur- if I was a journalist in Philadelphia, I would tell I wouldn't tell anybody. I would just do it myself, and I probably shouldn't say this because they're just going to do it. Uh, stop live streaming. There's no there's no <laughs> ability to grow anything 
through live streaming. You're not going to get a bigger Twitter following. You're not going to get more streams. It's disposable. It's dumb. Record it on your video app, turn it into a 15 second clip, and then tweet out the one play because that's what's going to get picked up and spread more. Because live streaming serves zero purpose except for you feeling like a mobile news station and the quality is never good. It's never worth it. Uh, People aren't going to go back. They want to see the highlights. So if Russ is telling me that there's articles being done and Elliot tries more than most to be a socially conscious millennial reporter, whatever the hell you want to call him, a multimedia journalist, that under if you can... Under each of those things that Russ said, there should be the clip of the throw. He I, should I, collect them and put it into a product later. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It feels like every year there is some sort of trend in in media. What is your strategy on this? What is your strategy on this? And lately it has been, what is your live video strategy? What is your Facebook video strategy? And most out, what you see, you see this with all outlets, but it's it's happening now a lot with the Eagles training camp, where people are like, "Oh, we need Facebook video, we need Facebook Live, so we're just going to live stream live stream practice that is unwatchable." The live videos are, to your point, Adam, like one, they they're good for very specific things. If there is an event, a newsworthy event, or something that is really of interest to people, they're like, "I want to see this now," or it's quirky or whatever. It works. I think we've done it twice on the site. Once I took questions, which was just kind of a, a random use of it. But the other was when Dario Sarge showed up and Jim went down to the airport and he was there an hour ahead of time live streaming Dario's arrival. And it became like a fun internet thing. And we got like tens of thousands of views on that thing. And by the time he was there so early that the news station showed up after we decided to go down there and do it. And it turned John Clark was there. Everyone else was there. Jim was the first guy there. Like it was funny and cool. The idea of just live streaming things to live stream it. Most of it is completely unwatchable. So I'm with you on that. Live, I hate- live streams are best used to show anticipation, which is what you're talking about right there. Yeah. Like waiting for an event or something like that. And I think too off and not many other uses. Like there's not a ton of reasons to really go live or unless you've created a subscription based model like Barstool has done for a few things, their boxing event or whatever, where you've talked about it so long and you can convince people to pay for a live. But I would say that. But they're highly of, choreographed and produced. Events, exactly. Your, but yeah, that's, yeah. but yeah, but yes, too yes. often people go live because they think they should when I think live is the easiest strategy that gives off the least amount of returns. I think that it's better to do things and then actually package them uh, for longer sustained consumption than live because live is never great after the fact. It's just it's just not. Like I'll, I'll be very candid. Our Monday show that we do on Facebook, I have told all of the production staff and I've told all of the producers, I am recording it like a podcast. I am not treating it like a live show because live shows don't last and podcasts can. And if you want to watch the podcast, 
good for you. But if Facebook doesn't even think Facebook Live is part of their future, I'm sure as hell not basing my production schedule off of a off of a tool that its own creators doesn't see a viable long-term option. Like Facebook is, is abandoning case? Facebook Live. Yeah. Just Google Google Facebook Live Zuckerberg or whatever. Yeah, they've they've completely transitioned. He cares more about VR and all that stuff and I'm not using like that's like Google's like we're abandoning Docs and I'm going to be like Okay, I'm going to base my entire company in Google Docs. That's just stupid. I feel like, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the only use for... Live is really good. It's a it's a fascinating that we all have the ability to live stream video in our pocket. And I think people are enamored with that and feel like they have to use it just because they can. There are ver- there are specific examples where it works. And most of the time it's Breaking legit. news too. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like if there's big breaking news, regardless of what it's about, and p- people are dying to get information, this that is an excellent way to do it if you hold the camera steady enough. Uh, you know, if you are at an event that might be of interest to your followers, and like there are very specific things that you can show them and they can ask about and you can get answers for. I actually, I know Apple events are covered like by every news outlet in the world, but I've seen people do a live thing from the demo room and take questions from people. Hey, does it do this? Hey, can you do this? That's a pretty good, easy use for it that people would actually be interested in. And it has a little bit of value after the fact. But I, yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. If you're just live streaming stuff for the sake of live streaming, stop it. Yeah, I just, I think people got excited about it. There was the Meerkat, there was Periscope. People are doing that. I watched Bill Simmons in The Ringer. They try and do, capture it afterwards on, on you know, whatever their show is, watching the, the Thrones or whatever the hell. Um, I think that it's just, it takes a lot of money to build up online live stuff. And I don't know if there's really an audience for it all the time. I think that you really need to have great content. Um, I have a random question for you guys. I'm going to check out Twitter. Uh, Houston Texans player DJ Reader, it came out, is now the second NFL player that I've heard of that doesn't believe that dinosaurs exist, uh, only behind uh, the guy that was on the Rams last year uh, that has moved on. I can't remember his name. Uh, And also Ike Reese. Stop, really? Yeah, uh, but it came out that DJ Reader, his teammate, says that DJ Reader believes in dragons but does not believe in dinosaurs, <laughs> which in itself is incredible. Wait, you're telling me Ike Reese doesn't believe in dinosaurs? Yeah, nope. I'll send you the link. We did a post on it last year. He said it on him and Barkan had a conversation. and, and I feel was, like that came up again recently, too, on Twitter. Yeah, he later, him. I don't know if he apologized. They actually he, issued like, he an apology. <laughs> That's amazing. I want to apologize to Littlefoot and all of his <laughs> friends from the land before time. Yeah, there was an update on that where he came back and was said, "I'll have to look it up." I, something to the effect, "These are my views. Sorry if I offended anyone." Yeah, it was. But seriously, who do you I don't know, know who's <laughs> getting offended. Like, yeah, paleontologists like, are getting so a, angry. This like, is my life's my great grandmom was a triceratops. Um, <laughs> wait, so is there? My question for you guys though is: there anything that you don't believe in that everyone else believes in that you're like, "Ooh, I don't like to voice this a lot." Six one. Allen Iverson. Six three two. Sorry. <laughs> what did you say, Allen Iverson? I said Allen Iverson. You don't believe it? I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, if I, don't, there's... I don't. Not a. Not a big believer. I don't, I don't, yeah. Uh, I don't, I it's, not it. like, it's not like we're Kyrie Irving, flat truther kind of 
kind of guys. Uh, that to me, hold you know on. what? Uh, that to uh, me is one of the weirdest. The fl- I can understand the dinosaur uh, even evolution because uh, I'm not saying I back it, but I can at least understand because it's nothing we could actually see with our own eyes. Now we're relying on people to dig things up, so I can I can understand if there's a gap there. The round Earth thing just blows my mind. We have live streams of satellites encircling the Earth. They are going. They are traveling and live streaming. Here you go, Adam. They are live video, streaming. Video can be manipulated, Kyle. Come around on, a big round ball. But even if you fly, if you fly high enough in a plane and look in the distance, like there's a reason why there's a horizon because the Earth is rolling away from you. It, because it's the edge of the Earth. Because for, you fall off to another flat plane. Come on, but for Kyle. someone who just flew to China and to to. Like be up in the sky over the ocean that long and to still be convinced that the I don't understand that Kyrie Irving I I don't I just don't understand how people can have abs, like have those views it doesn't it doesn't compute you know, with me I'll I'll tell you something that that I believed in that I can't believe isn't a thing now uh, Nerland's Noel I thought was gonna get a big deal this summer and I I really did believe that and I thought that the whole rationale from the Sixers trading it was because. They were afraid that somebody was going to offer him a max deal and he was going to walk away for nothing. And the fact that he still remains unsigned by Dallas, I don't know if if I and Dark Sixers Twitter and Reddit were that wrong or if it's just that Mark Cuban has soured on the guy. But the fact that nobody has made an offer sheet to him, I find stunning. And I can't believe that, that either I was that wrong or that the entire league is that afraid of dropping cash on on a player like Nerland's. So, so the popular response to this, it's. Seemed... Oh, I'm sorry. I, sh- I was supposed to do that as uh, as Droopy Dog. I'll have to save that for another day. Uh, you, you could do your response in Droopy Dog. That was a good transition, by the way. Look at you keeping us on track. Um, the popular response to the No One Not Once Nerlens reports last week from Sixers fans was like, oh, maybe Colangelo wasn't in the wrong to trade him away and didn't get as much back as we thought he should have. Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. The The way I think that makes a little bit more sense to look at it was the Sixers still would have been better with Nerlens Noel on the team. Him and Embiid played, what, eight minutes together? There was no one really ever gave it a chance, and most people, when the trade went down, were like, Okafor is not going to work. Do whatever you can to get rid of him. And C, we have time. We have Noel under control. He's a restricted free agent. If we want to keep him around for a year, we can. And the the defense of the trade was that, well, he could get a max deal and the Sixers might not want to pay that for a guy, double down that much money on big men, which was reasonable. But now the fact that there is virtually no market for him and the Mavs are going to essentially be able to pay him whatever they want because he has no other leverage in this, this restricted free agency year, to me, that makes Colangelo look worse because they could have kept Noel around for another year, paired him with Embiid to see how it would work out. I still think Noel is a very good defensive big man, and he's going to be for a long time in this league. And the Sixers could have had him relatively on the cheap without having to worry about maxing a deal. I know you can't go and look in the future, but when people knocked Colangelo for the trade, this is why, because there was no guarantee he was getting max deal and turns out he's not getting it and the Sixers easily could have afforded to have him on the team this year to see if it worked and if it didn't then you can move him or just let him walk and that they I don't know I'm I'm annoyed well, at the whole situation well, it, you know I guess you could make the case that uh, they, they were hoping that uh, they'd be able to make, do a sign and trade with uh, with another team who loses a big man so that you know locked on Sixers don't forget <laughs> to download subscribe there you go 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to end it with, with this. Adam, have you heard those, the Keith Pompey podcast? Uh, no, I'm not. Dude, I don't spend time on shit that's a waste of my time. Like, I no offense to Keith. Like, I, Keith gets a, a bad rap. He's been covering that team for a long time. No offense to so, Keith or Triceratops or yeah, anything. So I think, I, I, I think it's a hard job. Um, but Keith, Keith, how hard is the job, Keith? Well, Keith. I guess it depends depends on how many how many things you have to go to, and if uh, how many words you have to write about a an obscure game <laughs> in Europe bad. that Kyle keeps are, bringing up as all his personalities. The only thing I was going to say is the only like I love the Sixers. I love that Markel Fultz came out and said we're going to be in the playoffs. I love Joel Embiid. I love Simmons. Blah blah blah. Like like I even you know I I want them to be great. I really love the team. It just really annoys me that they are holding on to Okafor uh, as long as they are because of, you know, the optics of not wanting to give him away where if if you realize he's not the fit, it's okay to release him. Like, I'm giving my okay There's to no- release the guy. Mm. I just I, – I if you're not going to get anything for it, it's – it's annoying that they that, that stuff like the Nerlens thing has happened, and really Nerlens should be the backup right now, not Okafor. And I know they want to get something for him, and they don't want it to seem like a loss. But who the hell cares, man? Like I don't know that it's so much of them fearing the perception. Like I do think that could be a small part of it, but Okafor could still get you something at some point. I just don't think they're happy with what they've been offered for him. He's still a cheap player. He's still a young player who's proven that he is able to score. His plus minus is awful. His defense is atrocious. But in this league, there is still some something to be said for yeah, a big guy who like can score. Yeah, we need like a Russ, the truth but is he's, we, need a t- we need a team like the Grizzlies or something that still thinks they're going to compete and goes, oh, this guy will drop us 20 points a game, not even thinking about like any future or the way the game's evolving. Like We need a team that's stuck in the past to be like, oh, yeah, that's valuable. Or we need an injury to another big man somewhere in the league that kind of you know pushes them towards that way. I, I guess – Look, I'm not a big Okafor guy. Like, on the Prokafor and Okafor, I'm a Nokafor. But the thing that I think is important to, to realize is Okafor is not precluding you from from having a, a really high upside prospect or a high upside guy on your 15-man roster. Like, he's not. It's not the reason that Jonah Bolden is, is going to be playing in Tel Aviv with Pierre Jackson. Like, that's not the reason. So, I, I know that people hate the guy to death and they and they think that Nerland should be here and that's fine and if their contracts I think were in a similar position I think they would have kept Nerland's and they might have been happy to release Julio but the fact is it seems like they were afraid of how much money they were going to to have to give to Nerland's and they didn't like giving up the the cap flexibility they have next year which by the way most teams in the league don't have we've had this discussion before but the Sixers financially over the next two years are, are in a place that most teams would kill for Last year's free agent class, people overspent so much and they ate up their cap space. It was almost like a kid who got big time allowance from their parents for the first time and went out and like bought seventeen boxes of gushers and fruit by the foot. Like Russ's it, it's analogies stu- it was a, the most family friendly analogies. It was well, it, it was uh, you know, it's like he's, a kid he's, who he's, saves his chicken tender to the end because it looks great, but instead he eats his bees and carrots. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, like the the rest of the NBA ate around the edge of the uh, hamburger, and the Sixers get to have that nice final center bite next year in free agency. See um, that? There's there's such a by way, the way, I, such I an made easy a, way to make that that last analogy for uh, adult. 
but I will. No, please don't. Go. Um, I I actually grilled up a steak last night, and I thought of you guys. We had steak tacos with a nice chimichurri, and uh, I thought about this vegan and vegetarian uh, kick. And I I'll tell you what, I didn't get the game on Saturday night. It was oh no, you're gonna get delicious. diabetes. You are gonna you're absolutely getting diabetes because everybody knows sugar doesn't cause it. It's it's all about eating red meat. All right, all right. So um, you're no no situation. food talk. I've had like multiple hit me, people hit me up on Twitter saying like they're tired. Yeah, they're upset. They're very upset. Yeah. Um, what was it? So Colin Johnson, String and Key said, "Will you guys ever stop talking over each other?" Uh, ever since we got off Skype, absolutely not. We will not stop talking over each other. Stop, Kyle. Uh, I don't think it's possible because we're literally not looking at each other, and it's just it's a thing. That's just how it's going to be. We need to get one other thing. I'll say there as I talk over you (laughs) is you both. (laughs) I think we should actually go back to trying Skype once because now Adam's mic thing is figured out. Now his mic was fine. Skype is worse because Skype compresses you guys and it gets recorded locally on my computer. It's a totally different ballgame. But Mm. I would Mm. say. Once the seasons roll around, like people have to understand that right now there is, there is so little. Like every time we sit down and talk about, hey, what are we going to talk about today? And I know this is a complaint of radio, and that's fine. We're able to get a good hour three times a week, and it's it's not a problem. In fact, we're usually going over. But it's very tough to say there's one thing that we need to talk about, or that's very interesting, or that there's a really good topic. The last four weeks, there since the draft stuff has died down and the Sixer stuff has dried down, there is nothing we could sit down and say, okay, this is definitely something we need to talk about today. It's interesting. There are multiple sides. This has been very much a wasteland. So part of the, I think, reason for, I don't want to say talking over each other, but kind of going in a whole bunch of different directions per show is because there's no one topic lately that has been deserving of 25 plus minutes. And we're just kind of, as we go, trying to feel what we've, um, you know, talked about enough and what it's time to move on to. So I, I think once, like Mondays will be super easy in the fall because we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about the Eagles, and we're going to have a good smart conversation about the game. And then and the, the other two days the of the week, there. yeah, there will be Sixers and Flyers. Like news happens, games happen, there will be things to talk about. So it'll be a little bit more targeted, and I think we'll have a little bit better of, a, of an idea of where we need to go with conversations. Whereas now it's like, hey, where, what, what is next, Adam? <laughs> the worst. Oh, sorry. I see. I I saw that he was muted, and I didn't want there to be dead space. Um, I th- I think the sad thing right now for the state of where sports are in in this market is when we were having the conversation about the international money breakdown, and I like started looking it up to see how close or far off we were in our in our numbers. I then got distracted by seeing that Chris Paul and James Harden were playing in the Drew League together, and I ended up sitting down and watching a minute worth of that while we were talking about the Phillies. It's just like. The the attention span that that I as a as a millennial have for uh, a really poor trade deadline and Eagles training camp practice is just it's just not there. I can't imagine that I'm alone in this. Well, Russ, I well I we got to wrap up, but my kind of thought is I think everyone thought you know ESPN launched all of their ESPN Boston, ESPN Chicago, ESPN Dallas, uh, SB Nation had one for every team. Bleacher Report was all about you know, figuring out everyone's little channel and everyone thought perfect Philly fans will only want to consume Philadelphia stuff. And what they didn't realize is with the internet, I don't have to only focus on Philadelphia. 
And if it's a boring time, there can be stuff like NBA players in the Drew League or, you know, a Texans player not believing in dinosaurs. And you focus on the best, most interesting things. And I think and that's why when people thought it was going to get hyper local, it actually, I think, went hyper international. Um, and so one story here is, you know, not as big because your Eagles aren't just dealing with the Cowboys or the Giants or the or the Washington. They're dealing with the whole league. They're dealing with Jay-Z and Beyonce. They're dealing, you know, everything. LeVar Ball having a female ref thrown out of an Adidas AAU exactly. league game. Like, it's insane. Well, and that's so where we shall leave. The, Philly, Philly's an interesting spot because people will say i've run into this with the website like how much do you steer from philly because generally when you get generally when you get too far away from your main area of interest you be you add less value to that stuff so i'm never going to be able to cover a lavar ball thing as good as tmz or or barstool is going to be able to be because those places have national reaches so same the same applies to this podcast so it's a balancing act of like yeah, you want to focus on the topic. People are here to listen about Philly sports and not about random stuff. They, they, There are very highly skilled comedians who can give their takes on random stuff. The flip side of that is, like to your point, Adam, is that there's a way to talk about Philly sports, but also you don't have to pigeon yourself into pigeonhole yourself into a specific topic. And I think this has been the problem with local sports talk radio over the years where it's been they have completely put blinders on to the rest of the world for the most part every now and then Mike Missinelli gets on a LeBron kick for the most part the blinders are on and when people turn it on you begin if people are listening to this show every day or a certain radio host every day there may be times you may be interested in their takes on other things because there's not that much going on in the vertical but hey I actually like listening to Adam or Mike or whatever and I, sure, I want to hear his take on this this popular news thing because I don't want to have to go find the Lakers podcast that has the best, most in-depth LeVar Ball conversation. So there's a balancing act there to be sure. And the summer has tested, I think. I think the last 12 months have tested everybody in Philly sports. And, um, you know, I think it's cost some people their jobs because the, the interest in our specific subject matter, matter is not there right now. Yep, I'll end it with this. It's very easy to cover a team that's doing well, and you got to be really talented to keep people interested when it's not going well. Uh, yeah. I think this was actually a really good edition of Crossing Broadcast. I thought we uh, covered a lot of shit. We covered literally every team other than the Flyers, and only because they didn't have anything going on. Uh, we will hopefully uh, have another podcast Wednesday. Hopefully no laptops are stolen. Hopefully no one misses it. Uh, but... I feel really Hopefully good about it. Hopefully we don't have a delay for grinding beans. Yeah, Hopefully bean grinding. Uh, all right, that's it for Monday. Hit up Kyle at Crossing Broad or me at Adam Lefko or Russ at Joy on Broad. Leave some five-star and iTunes reviews with a comment or a question. I want to give a shout-out to Tro Easy and Chainman16 giving us the advice that we don't always have to talk sports and Adam stop sounding miserable all the time. Uh, appreciate you, bro. You guys are awesome. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you guys on Wednesday.